Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Nikki Haley is doing some of the best campaigning of her life over the past two days. I don't know what took her so dang long. I have no idea why she waited so long. Absolutely no clue. Haley has sounded better than ever because she's doing two things. And this is not me campaigning for Nikki Haley. Not by not by the longest of shots. I've, I've been clear. I'm a DeSantis guy. I know. <laughs> that came and went. <sighs> Do you believe in miracles? This is not the 1980 Olympics. Good Lord. Nikki Haley is doing things like this. Trump says things. Americans aren't stupid to just believe what he says. The reality is who lost the House for us? Who lost the Senate? Who lost the White House? Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. Nikki Haley will win every single one of those back for us. Trump says things. Americans. Sorry, I didn't mean to loop it there. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. If you would, uh, uh, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. I didn't say you agreed with her. That is not my argument, not why I bring this up. I am saying that as a matter of a talking point, that is fantastic. Trump cost you this, Trump cost you that, Trump cost you the other, I'll get it back for you. It's actually a Trumpian thing to do. It's actually a traditionally political thing to do. And what is interesting about this as she's campaigning in New Hampshire is that it is proactive. It's proactive. And we should take a look at those polling numbers. Sarah, if you would, grab the polling numbers from Real Clear Politics uh, nationally, New Hampshire, and uh, and South Carolina. And then uh, uh, create the graphics for those, and I'll, and I'll grab them. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it's proactive. And then something else happened. A town hall on, on CNN. Remember, she refused to debate. And ABC got hosed. They were supposed to host the debate before New Hampshire. And uh, she's like, oh, look, I'm not just debating Ron DeSantis here. That, that's, that's cuckoo crazy. That's nutty. I've already done that five times. I'm debating Trump or I'm not debating at all or in any way. And I think that she was right about that. I think it was a strong move for her uh, uh, politically. And I think it put um, Ron DeSantis in an even worse place because he looks weak. He can't make the debate happen. He's not enough to debate. She doesn't have to bother with him. She wants the big guy. Again, very, very good. But let me give you this right here. This Nikki Haley at this CNN uh, uh, town hall. But this is the similarities you're seeing with Trump and Biden. Neither one of them will debate their opponents. And I think it's very telling that we're dealing with more of the same. More of the same where you've got these incumbent presidents that think they don't have to show you the differences between them and their opponents. I think that's the problem. I think that's exactly why we need new generational leaders. This election is very much going to be, are we getting more of the same or do we want to go in a new direction? 
more of the same being that 70 percent of Americans have said they don't want a rematch between Trump and Biden. The majority of Americans have very low, have very high disapproval numbers for both Trump and Biden. Trump and Biden both spent trillions of dollars that put us in debt that our kids are never going to forgive either one of them for. You look at the fact that we want to get them focused, but right now, do we really want to have two 80-year-olds running for president? Now, some people are going to look at that last line. Do we really want really want two 80-year-olds running for president? And they'll think, oh, man, strong hit from Nikki Haley. Again, that's not it. Did you notice how slow she was speaking? Was anybody going to notice that her approach was far different than the debate when she was going 20 miles a minute, trying to get five minutes of content in a two-minute segment, which is usually discussed by putting five pounds of you-know-what in a, in a two-pound sack. Usually it's a three-pound sack. It doesn't matter. There are sacks, and then there's the stuff you fill it with. The point is, she slowed down. She slowed down. She hit a solid talking point about, do you want these two 80-year-olds? And she's doing it with calmness. Somebody got to her. Somebody looked her in the eye and said, Nikki, Nikki, um, you look like a freak and you sound like a freak because you're, you're speaking so quickly that it's forcing your face into contortions that nobody wants. Oh, and nobody can follow you because you're talking so quickly. Calm down. Here, this is a quaalude. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that I have any proof whatsoever that Nikki Haley is on a lewd. I am not saying that. Please, lawsuits. I am not saying that. I'm saying someone told her to calm down, and she did. Picture her in the debate and go back and listen again. But this is the similarities you're seeing with Trump and Biden. Neither one of them will debate their opponents. And I think it's very telling that we're dealing with more of the same. More of the same where you've got these incumbent presidents that think they don't have to show you the differences between them and their... That sounds like somebody who's much more in charge of their own life, of their situation, has total control of their surroundings, has total control of the facts and has the calmness and the demeanor to take the next steps. It's good. It's good and it's valuable and it's important and it is noted. The problem for her is that it's three days before before a primary. What the hell is that going to do you? Three days before a primary, and you think that this is going to to create value? This is this this is not. This is a you have a remarkable road to climb. It's brutal. Do you really think? Are you? Do you really think you're prepared to 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 get that going? Let's take a look. Let's take a look at two primaries, shall we? Or let's take a look at a primary and a national. Let's take a look at what's going on in New Hampshire, and let's take a look at what's going on nationally. 
Because within this, we're going to get an idea of what it is that Nikki Haley has in front of her. And let me say for the record that we're talking about something that is quite nearly insurmountable. It is nuts. We take a look at New Hampshire and you realize that Nikki Haley has closed a gap in one of the the more recent polls. She was seven points behind. In the latest, she is, what is that, 17 points behind? This is the Boston Globe Suffolk poll. It is Trump 52, Haley 35, DeSantis 6. Oh, six. We all wait. We said from the beginning he's skipping New Hampshire, going right to South Carolina, but that's not a good number. Trump fifty-two, Haley thirty-five. You go down to where the CNN uh, University of New Hampshire poll is. It was thirty-nine, thirty-two. That put her within seven single digits. That's good stuff. It has been double digits for the three polls past that, putting the real clear politics average. Trump having a spread of 13 and a half. Trump is ahead 13.5%. And you'll note that in the polling uh, in Iowa, uh, it was accurate about Trump and um, Haley, you can argue, underperformed, right? The polling had Trump at, at what, at 52 and a half and he got 51%. That's, that's, that's expectation. That's performing, which means the polling's accurate. But Haley only got 19%, and she was at 20-some-odd percent. She underperformed. Uh, underperforming might, might be a, a, a serious, serious problem. Underperforming going to be a serious issue in New Hampshire for Nikki Haley. But maybe none of it matters, because when you take a look at the national, Trump is at 70 freaking 2 Look at the numbers. The Messenger Harris X poll. Trump 72, Haley 13, DeSantis 7. And if you don't like that, you're like, oh, who's going to believe that? Economist YouGov has Trump at 68. CBS News has Trump at 69. Nice. Uh, uh, Morning Consult has Trump at 69. you got to go down to the Reuters Ipsos poll, which was January 3rd to January 9th, to find Trump 49, Haley 12, DeSantis 11. So even that poll, he's up by 37. In the last poll, the Messenger Harris X poll, he's up by 59. That's nationally. That how the national sees it. Is this the, the you know, all writing on the wall, we're just wasting time here, nothing's going to beat Trump at all. I think that that is about 89% true. Normally, I wouldn't put the the odds uh, that bad for him. It would be ninety nine percent, right? You you would leave the possibility that something crazy could happen. There's alien abduction. You don't know. Uh, but it, it, here, you're dealing with a couple of indictments. You have the possibility for things to to go wrong. That possibility is keeping Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis around. Uh, I, I I believe that. I think you do too. But Haley's move right now, it, 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 it fascinates. Not only is she hitting the, the, the right tone 
And, and then there was this. Did you hear her talking about banning TikTok? So I will always fight for freedom of speech. What I was referring to when it comes to our tech companies is there is a responsibility that our social media companies have. What I think they should do is they should show us their algorithms. They should be completely transparent so that you know why they push what they push, why you see what they what you see, all of that. That's a <clears throat> business transparency situation. When it comes to disclosing who you are, I'm not saying that Americans have to disclose their name. What I'm saying <clears throat> is you have millions of foreign bots where there are no people behind them. When I was at the United Nations, Russia, China, and Iran knew and said it was the cheapest form of warfare. There are millions of bots that are spreading disinformation, that are sowing division in our country, and they're doing this to spread harmful things to our younger uh, teenagers. And what I'm saying is those social media companies have to do something with the foreign bots. I will always fight for Americans' freedom of speech, but I am not going to fight for Russians and Iranians and Chinese freedom of speech. And that's what's happening. That's the part. Now you understand that she's changed her message on this. She slowed down. She cleaned it up. She engaged some focus because she got knocked around because she first said you have to show your ID. She meant Americans. She has cleaned this up. This message, I think, does work and i certainly think it works with suburban soccer moms and those who see their kids on social media and getting uh, abused by social media and engaging the, uh, the 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 fomo the fear of missing out and 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 what happens there i i think that it works it is weird that now suddenly she has found a couple of messages that work well cleaned up a couple of talking points like Trump's responsible for losing the House, Senate and the White House. Uh, Trump's responsible. You know, do you really want to see two 80 year old men fighting for the for a job? We need something new, though. She's she's been workshopping this. Now, all of a sudden it's working. That's too little too late. That's going to connect and start propelling forward. I think it could have. I think uh, I think Ron DeSantis would have benefited from from uh, some more of that type of uh, of of talking point, and then moving into his record. But seventy two, Trump International is up seventy two. That's that is obs- that's insane. I don't know how one overcomes it. Um. If Nikki Haley does not overperform in New Hampshire, even though it's South Carolina and it's her state, the writing is more and more on the wall. Speaking of of of, of Trump, uh, I t- I'm going to take the break first. Did you hear Don Jr. talking about Tucker Carlson? You tell me. I'll share it with you coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So this was an interview on Newsmax with uh, Donald Trump Jr. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Great to be here. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And and, uh, Trump Jr. was talking about possible vice presidential candidates. Listen. 
I would do whatever I could to make sure it wasn't Nikki Haley. But, uh, you know, but like Ron DeSantis, could I say you're never going to rule out someone that is, you know, a leading contender. It doesn't mean that's who you go with. I could see other people. That would be great. I'd love to see, you know, a J.D. Vance. I'd love to see a Tucker Carlson. I'd love to see, you know, people who are just principally, uh, you know, in alignment as well as like aggressive. I, you, you actually need a fighter. The Republicans in Washington, D.C. are weak. You can have the House, the Senate, and they'll still roll over. It Don, matter. is your dad serious uh, about Tucker Carlson? Are those rumors serious? I would imagine. You know, listen, that's clearly it would be on the table, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're very friendly. I think they agree on virtually all of these things. They certainly agree on stopping the never-ending wars. Uh, and so, you know, I, I would love to see that happen. And, you know, that, that would certainly be a contest. There, there was so much in that. Uh, first, you know, look, look, I, I have nothing against Donald Trump Jr. I've never met the dude. It's just, I, I, I know what he's going to say. I, I know what's going to happen. I know his purpose. And so uh, for me, it's, it's not as interesting of a listen. But to bring up DeSantis and Tucker Carlson as vice presidential possibilities. You see, the J.D. Vance stuff, I hear that from, from my people. I, the senator from Ohio, I believe that's possible. I believe that the Elise Stefanik conversation, the representative from New York, I believe that that is possible. Ron DeSantis? Well, first, you're not allowed to have both the president and the vice president from the same state. That, that, I don't, if I understand the rules right, you can't do that. But neither here nor there. Ron DeSanctimonious? I, I, don't, I don't think Ron's taking that gig. I think, I think Ron, if he gets out of this race and the numbers would suggest such a thing, he'll say, you know what? I'm young. Take a look at his watch. Take a look at it right there. He'll be like, I'm young. I'm good. Thanks. I, I, just, I just don't need to be. I just don't need that. Tucker Carlson. Uh, I, I, I argue only, only a couple things. Uh, I agree with Tucker on some things. I di- disagree with Tucker on other things. Very few people in the country, politically, can be seen as conversation starters. Conversation responders, that's a dime a dozen. You got a lot of people out there who will be the, the talking head, head pundit. Uh, that, that's easy. Start the conversation. That's tough. That's rare. That ain't easy. And he does it. And he's got everything set up and the whole network, and he's going to make crazy stupid money. The other side of that conversation is he has crazy stupid money. The allure of the vice presidency. I don't know if, I don't know if you turn that away. Let me tell you, if I got asked to be vice president in four seconds, because I could smoke cigars in the observatory like nobody's business. Oh, I I would bring Cigar Sexy back to D.C. It would be more than just Shelly's back room. I could not wait. I would be an awesome vice. I would be such a good vice president that I would look at the next guy running and be like, I want to do it again. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I should be honest. I, I would have a hard time not being the guy. I'd have a super hard time with it. It's, it, would, it, would, it, would, it would eat at me in a way. It's like the people, you know, you see people and they live on the water, whether it's a canal or a lake or they live on the water. And then there's a street and then people live on the other side and they don't live on the water. I don't know how they do that. How do you do that without going absolutely crazy every single day? That's how I feel as vice president. But maybe Air Force Two would kind of ease the blow. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to be Tucker. This is Tony Katz today. Rebels, and we've discussed uh, the growing anti-Semitism on college campuses, the bigotry on college campuses. Uh, this uh, came down the road. This story about Congressman Andre Carson, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Andre Carson represents Indianapolis. He represents the 7th District. Uh, he represents just south of where I live. But for uh, my main station, uh, my flagship, WIBC, uh, he's that member of Congress. So I have had to deal with his bigotry and his very, very poor judgment for years, as long as I've been in Indianapolis, which has been nearly a, a decade now. His uh, shameful attitude, his embarrassment. So much so that I have had uh, uh, serious and loud disagreements with the so-called Jewish community of Indianapolis. And I say so-called because um, sometimes you just don't see any level of activity. Certainly when you have got a guy who's showing up to events with people on the terrorist watch list, people who call Rashida Tlaib his sister, People who admit to being friends with and proud to be friends with Louis Farrakhan. Um, you're supposed to say something. You're supposed to say that this is not okay. This is despicable. And what did I have in Indianapolis? Rabbis and others, Jews, who supported him, including financially, in his reelections. Andre Carson is a guy who only got into office because his grandmother was Julia Carson, former member of Congress. It's a family business. There is no legislation that you can point to from Andre Carson that makes you say, my gosh, this is a good man right here with a good head on his shoulders. There is no action from Andre Carson that can make you say the same. None. And you can say that about Republicans. I'm saying it about Andre Carson. But Andre Carson is the guy doing this from the Washington Free Beacon. House Dems share stage with anti-Semites and Holocaust deniers at a March for Gaza rally. It's Congressman Andre Carson who has been very, very clear in his support for Hamas and his um, disgust for Israel in joining Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib in their very, very aggressive Jew hate. Amongst those who spoke at the event were those happy, quote-unquote, about Hamas's terrorist attack, someone who claimed, quote, Hitler never intended to mass destroy the Jews, unquote. And this is as it's reported by Chuck Ross from the Free Beacon. And another who has attended Holocaust denial events with former Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. That's Andre Carson. The guy has terrible judgment. That's how I used to describe it. So much so that years ago, oh, I, I don't know if it ever got written. Sarah, look this up. 
it was the Daily Beast that did an interview with me. I believe the the interviewer, the reporter was Tim Mack, M-A-K. I remember the conversation. I don't remember if it ever got published. We were talking about Andre Carson. He wanted to talk to me about Andre Carson. I was discussing my position. And what he was desperate to do was to try and get me on the record to say it's just because uh, he's Muslim, isn't it? Why should we discuss the bigotry and the bad judgment of Andre Carson, who befriends and supports Louis Farrakhan, that Jew-hating, white-hating, woman-hating bigot? Why in the world should we discuss him when we can discuss the fact that you've just got a problem with Muslims, Tony Katz? That was Tim Mack trying to say that about me. I would not fall for that at all. I, I, I've done this for a while. I, I'm not buying into the crazy. But I always referred to Andre Carson as a guy who had terrible judgment. Not anymore. Now I refer to Andre Carson as another Jew-hating bigot. He is what he is. And Indianapolis has to do better. But then again, uh, so do uh, those towns in Minnesota that vote for Ilhan Omar. So does Dearborn. (laughs) Or those areas that vote for Rashida Tlaib. You have to demand better. If it was really, really about criticizing Israeli policy, well, okay, go right ahead. Knock yourself out. If you are on stage with somebody who denies the Holocaust, well, then, that's saying something. I give you my second true story, the craziest of the true stories. When I lived in California, there was a Republican club. Oh, my God. You want to hear crazy? Amongst the craziest stories that I've ever, ever come across. And the guy who ran the club was named David. Um, Small in stature, big in personality. Big in personality. Um, and, and, uh, he, he ran this, 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 this club and, and the club had parties and I'd gone to them. I had talked to him. We never hung out. We never had drinks or anything like that. And then one day it comes out that he's a Holocaust denier. What the? What the heck? The last thing I ever sent this dude, except for, hey, what's the address of the place, was, what is this? Because it was a rumor. I'm not a rumor guy. I want to know, you know, what's going on. I certainly never heard from him again. Turns out, while his name was David, he had used a different last name. This guy had been on Phil Donahue back in the day. He was a Holocaust denier. Like, full-on no question. You could actually look at uh, David uh, Cole. He, I think, was he David Stein back in the day? I, I don't recall. It was the craziest thing to have witnessed. And people were like, what in the world is this? And I don't know if he ever spoke to anybody. I don't know whatever. Came of the dude? Absolutely not. I, I have no clue. Why in the world were you a part of this group engaged in these things? 
And then when people found out, it was an immediate, get out of here with this crazy. It, it proved to me uh, that uh, when presented with bigotry, uh, rational people, Republicans, uh, conservatives would be like, yeah, that's not for me. Thank you. I didn't know that about you. I'll, I'll take a step out. Very often you'll see the political left see that and be like, see, it's proof. No. Ooh. I'll put you in. I don't know. How big is my arm? How, how big of arm's length can I put you at? Crazy. Now, if I had known that about him and then was still his friend, still supported him, still, you know, looked at his works, I think that would put me in the category of Andre Carson. You see, sometimes you learn something about somebody that you didn't know. It's what you do next. It is that part of the association. And I always stated, always stated that that um, that Andre Carson was a guy who had uh, bad judgment. Now it's more than just bad judgment. Uh, it's more than bad judgment because Andre Carson clearly, very clearly, without question and without reservation, has not just a problem with Israel, has a problem with Jews. This brings us to another story. The story of how anti-Israel student groups are threatening no business as usual at MIT until Israel is eradicated. Again, from the free beacon, which when it comes to following these uh, Ivy League lowlifes, they have done excellent work. Uh, this is MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Uh, they, according to the story, the Jewish students will be greeted by an anti-Israel student group that is threatening, threatening to shut down business as usual at MIT until the Jewish state is no more. They're called the MIT Coalition Against Apartheid. Ah, I thought you had to be smart to get into MIT. This is this is what they say. This is this is how uh, they, they they write it. I'm reading it right here. When we return next semester, we will be even stronger and even bigger to make sure that there is no business as usual at MIT until Palestine is free from the river to the sea. Now, this is the conversation. You can call for genocide proactively on a college campus. That's not a criticism of Israeli policy. Free Palestine in and of itself is a statement as a call for genocide. And from the river to the sea is a call to get rid of all the Jews, get rid of Israel. It's a call to genocide. So first, to the students at MIT, listen, uh, I'm not on the air in Massachusetts, but I'm more than happy to broadcast from the campus at MIT and help you uh, get to class. If it means uh, things are going to get a little bit rough and tumble, uh, okay. All right. I say that uh, to the students um, uh, of Indiana University or of Purdue University, because I'm an Indiana guy, uh, Butler, Ball State, sure. Need some help? Need a friend? I'm in. Because uh, the, the choice is uh, you or them, and I, 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 choose, I choose you. Uh, me, I mean, I choose you. I think you should uh, choose you. But this is exactly what it is we're looking at. This is the, 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 the bigotry that we are, are are seeing. And this is what Andre Carson is helping to foment. Members of Congress are helping to build this. This this hate that is now 
as prevalent as the day is long. And what kills me is that here in Indianapolis, well, the people of Indianapolis have not shown a willingness to change uh, how, how they vote. They, they have not shown a willingness to say, this just isn't acceptable. As a matter of fact, outside of what I do on my two radio shows, nobody is saying a word. No one says a word. There are, there, there are no articles. There are no interviews. I, you have Andre Carson showing up at a rally with people who deny the Holocaust. And when he comes back to town, there will not be one reporter in Indianapolis who puts a microphone in this guy's face and says, why are you showing up uh, with Holocaust deniers? But you better believe that every Republican candidate for governor or for Congress is going to be asked if they repudiate white supremacy. Every single one of them. Every one of them. This is a great example of how low national media and other media are. How The level of double standard to which they hold. He can show up with Holocaust deniers, Congressman Andre Carson, and literally nothing will happen to him. He gets to walk down the street without a single care in the world. He's there with Holocaust deniers, and what the people uh, in media will say is, Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. Okay, people, That's move what along. they're going to do. There's nothing to see here. That's what they're going to do. But if you, as a conservative, think of running for office, you will be asked to denounce white supremacy every second and then denounce Donald Trump for white supremacy even though he's not a white supremacist. You will be asked to do this time and again and again and again and again. Which is why when you see politicos not buy into this but tell reporters to shut it, uh, you, 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 should, you should be supportive of those people. Because the reporter is not interested in the story. The reporter is not interested in the honesty. The reporter is not interested in, in, in the questioning, nor upholding a standard period. The reporter is engaged in pushing agenda and narrative, and that's not reporting. That is almost as despicable as showing up on stage with a Holocaust denier and then being willing to do it again. Which you got to assume Andre Carson is. All right, maybe pushing narrative is worse than showing up with a Holocaust denier because that could happen by accident. But pushing narrative, you know you're doing on purpose. So switch that. But it'll keep happening just like this. Despicably just like this. Indianapolis has to change who they vote for. And so do the people of Minnesota and in the 14th District of New York with Ocasio-Cortez. They will take the very worst because the truth is... The truth is, they've either been told you have to vote for the Democrat or you're a traitor, or they agree. And I am always amazed at the people who didn't know exactly how much Jew hatred and bigotry is out there. It isn't more than you think. It is sadly exactly as much as you think. I'm Tony Katz.
was looking for something and now I can't find it. It's driving me crazy. Ah, here it is. There's a shortage of ADHD drugs. And we have been discussing, as, as you have, well, if you rely on China for everything, you will create a situation by which you have access issues. China doesn't design drugs. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Uh, China manufactures. China doesn't know how to make anything, really. They steal and then they manufacture. But now you have people really having to search for prescriptions. You've got uh, the Divisional Chief of Developmental and Behavioral Pediatrics uh, from the Children's Hospital in Orlando telling uh, uh, United Press there that um, the strain on patients and families is, is, is real. And you say to me, yeah, it's an ADHD drug, so somebody's going to be, you know, just a little bit uh, on edge. If, if you don't want to call that uh, serious, you're, you're more than welcome to. Pick the drug that's serious, you know, the one that keeps your mom alive, and then picture it as that drug. We have not, as a nation, done enough to move the manufacturing back to the United States like we need to, or to nations that are friendly because you want to now have it expanded and multifaceted supply chain. This is happening, and it will affect us all. This is Tony Katz today.